coming out to you almost live from the most boring apocalypse in human. Hey folks, thanks so much for coming back to listen. This is our brand new podcast. The Cottonmouth Club presents. The Cottonmouth Club presents, in which we talk all things bars, bartending spirits, cocktails. Everything has to do with bars, all through the specific lens of hospitality, which is unique to this kind of place. Fuego! Fuego. Fuego. So we're continuing our series of Cowboy Storytime, read by Danny Furness in his cowboy voice and his Texas twang. Right now we're reading Gunman's Bluff by Max Brand, in which our intrepid gunslinger Cheyenne loses the use of his right hand, which is his shooting hand. Today we're reading part eight. But before we go on, I just want to remind everybody we are still bartenders, which means we do work for tips. So if you like what you're hearing, give some love to our tip jar on Venmo, at the Cottonmouth Club staff. That's Venmo, the Cottonmouth Club staff, the Cottonmouth Club dash staff. Every little bit helps. We appreciate everyone who's dropped a buck or two in our tip jar. All the money goes directly to the staff to keep them in food and everything else they need until we figure all this out. So without further ado, I'm passing you on to Danny Furness reading Gunman's Bluff. Thanks so much and stay tuned. Drum roll, please. Drum roll, please. <laughs> So Danny, yes, sir. Looks like Cheyenne made it. Uh, he, he made it out. He five, made it out. Five hundred feet, fifty he feet. Sh- he was for sure a goner. He, we thought he was a goner. <laughs> Thanks, sweet door. That horse whisked him away. He got out of there. Uh, so uh, where where are we at now? Yeah, he's, he's, he's he, he got out of there, and we're gonna see uh, whether or not he leaves the range. Well, he was he was heading he was heading back out to Old Smoky, but yeah. I, I I got a feeling he's gonna want to uh, mm-hmm. he's oh, gonna want to uh, keep doing the thing. Certainly not done with Dorothy. All right, well, let's, uh, let, let's, let's jump right in. All right. Party. He awakened the next morning with a sense of something missing. Before he tasted food, he sat down at his table and wrote a letter. He could not sweep it off in a few easy gestures as letters had formerly been for him. The right hand could not manage the pen. Therefore, with the left, he printed out the words as neatly as he could. Dear Dorothy, you pulled me through the worst of it. You were great. I'm not riding north. This range is good enough for me as long as you want me on it. If you can see me, say when or where. Address me at General Delivery, Crooked Foot. Yours, Cheyenne. Instead of cooking breakfast, he took some jerky and chewed it on his way down the mountain to Crooked Foot, on the west side of the peak, where he mailed the letter to Miss Dorothy Martin in Martindale. The whole sound of the name was different to him now. A light had been shed from within upon all the Martins, young and old. They were distinguished people in the eyes of Cheyenne. In the days that followed, Cheyenne fell into a frenzy of labor again. It had been important enough before to restore his right hand and put cunning in his left, but now there was a double necessity, for he carried the voice of Dolly Martin in his ear and the picture of Dolly Martin in the forefront of his brain. He would not willingly have been without the extra weight, but because of it he wanted to redouble his strength. Once an hour he massaged his right arm, chiefly about the scar tissue in the shoulder. He used hot water, as much as he could stand, then kneaded the flesh with grease. Sometimes sharp tingles shot through the entire arm as his fingers touched a nerve. After each massage, the arm was sure to feel lighter, more alive. He tried chopping wood, hewing to a line also with either hand, and he was constantly writing, big and small. The result was that the left began to improve rapidly. When he used axe or gun in it, He no longer had the strange feeling of being off balance, of being only half present. But in the right hand, he could see little improvement, or none at all. 
He endured that disappointment without the leaden falling of his heart that he had felt at first. This was a task that might take a year, two years. It was one to be persisted in, and he had a goal before him. After three days, he went down to the post office in Crooked Foot, but there was no letter waiting for him at general delivery. He came slowly back up the hill, walking most of the way. He liked to have the pretty head of sideways at his shoulder, nodding as he worked up the slope. Whenever he looked at the gray mare now, he would think of Dolly Martin, and that made him turn fifty times a day and whistle to her, so that she would jerk up her head from grazing and look back at him with those bright, steady, fearless eyes. Old Sam was waiting at the shack when he got there. Sam was the trapper of Old Smokey. He was associated with the mountain almost as closely as the mist that blew around its head. When Cheyenne came in, the old fellow was leaning his hide above the stove, cooking. He had bacon in the pan, along with plenty of squirrel meat. Squirrels are good eating if you know how to cook them properly. Sam, without turning his head, greeted Cheyenne by name. Eyes in the back of your head, Sam, asked Cheyenne. Sam turned slowly. His face was covered with beard that began just below the eyes. It was like gray wool, never barber trimmed, but hacked off to a convenient length from time to time with a sharp knife. The result was a series of gray knobs and hollows. Cheyenne, he said, there's a deer out yonder somewhere. I got a good look at it through the door a while back. Go and fetch it in. Cheyenne went outside. It was the heat of the day, and a gray mist was rising from the ground that had recently been soaked with rain. Only the mountains close by could be seen. The more distant hills were lost. He hunted casually up the mountain for the deer, then turned a bit to the east and circled back toward the hut to report failure. He was drawing near the shack when he saw a man skulking ahead of him from rock to rock and from bush to bush with a rifle pushed before him. Cheyenne, frowning, shifted the revolver to his left hand. After something, partner? he asked. The other jumped. As he turned, Cheyenne had sight of a handsome young face as brown as his own, but the sudden start of the stranger made him step wrong. A stone rolled from under his feet. His rifle exploded in midair and its owner rolled twenty feet down the slope before he was able to halt his fall. Then he stood up dizzily. Kinda didn't expect you behind me, he said. Were you expecting me in front? demanded Cheyenne. I was deer stalking, said the other. He came up the slope in small steps, the way a mountaineer should do. Good thing you weren't carrying dynamite, said Cheyenne. Time for you to eat? I could eat raw meat, said the stranger. You can have cooked squirrel instead, said Cheyenne. Come along. He took the stranger into his shack. I'm John Jones, he said. This is old Sam. He owns old Smokey. Jim Willis is my name, said the stranger, and instantly made himself useful in bringing wood to feed a failing fire in the stove. You seen a deer out there, did you? asked old Sam. Coming over the eastern shoulder. I thought it must be heading this way. Of course, if I'd known about the cabin being here, I would have cut down the slope and across the ravines. That's where he is now by now, a big devil, he commented ruefully. You from these parts? asked old Sam as he began to dish out food. I'm from all around, said Willis. They sat down to eat in front of the cabin. Cheyenne found himself operating on the meat without thought. The last thing he wanted was to permit people to see his more than childish clumsiness with a fork. But without thought he had already skewered a squirrel with an iron fork held daggerwise while he slowly carved the meat with a knife in his left. Once having started, it was foolish to try to hide the facts. Willis had already marked them with the blue-eyed stare that sent ice worms up the spine of Cheyenne. But old Sam was too busy talking about the reduction in the bounty on wolves to take heed of other things, apparently. Willis went on to find his venison immediately after lunch. He thanked the two hosts and was gone quickly. But old Sam remained to smoke a pipe. Some folks would have stayed to clean up the dirt they made, he suggested. 
There's only a tin plate and a cup and a fork, said Cheyenne. Little things make a big difference sometimes, observed the trapper. Right hands is one of them. Who took your arm off at the shoulder, Cheyenne? The blunt question made Cheyenne start. It's a little out of kilter is all. I sprained the shoulder a while back. Sprained it, said the other. Humph. Then he went on as he finished his pipe and rose to go. You'd think that a gent that come from all around would be finding his venison down on the hills without having to stalk all the way up the side of Old Smoky. Something wrong about Willis? asked Cheyenne sharply. I don't know, said Sam. I was just thinking. Thinking what? That they've lowered the bounty on wolves, but there's still a mighty high bounty on a lot of human scalps. What do you mean by that, Sam? Well, there's some jits that are free targets. Some have a bounty on their heads that'll be paid by the law, and some have a bounty that's only the glory that the killer gets. Cheyenne stared. Meaning me, he asked. Son, said old Sam, I've been looking down through the brush up there day after day, seeing you waltzing around down here. I seen you shooting. I seen you chopping wood. And that right arm of yours ain't worth a damn. Me seeing it don't matter, but another gent has seen it now. And if I was you, I'd head right pronto for some healthier climate. Sound advice? Yes. Yes, it is. Gonna get. No, man, he's in love. He ain't into me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you like what you're hearing, give some love to our tip jar on Venmo at Cottonmouth Club staff. Dope. <clears throat> Stop shutting yourself.